What's going on, drinking buddies? Miss me? I know. Didn't release a podcast on Thursday for the first time in like four years. It was my birthday. Uh, last week was pretty fucking inebriated. I spent, yeah, most of last week just working and drinking. Ugh, it, was a, it was a good time. My birthday parties were a fucking blast. Thank you to anyone who wished me a happy birthday last week. Anyone who came out to the parties, good fucking times. So without delay, we have a new podcast for you. But real quick, a word from our sponsors, you know, those fine folks who bring you the show. First and foremost, we are brought to you by the video versions of And Now We Drink. The video versions are available on Vimeo, on demand for 99 cents an episode, or $6 a month will get you unlimited streaming for a full month, get you all the episodes. And believe me, I'm updating them as fast as I can. I'm trying to get on top of that. But if there's an episode that you really want to see, you should jump on it. Uh, there's some good ones coming up, including this one. The video version of this one should be live by the time you're listening to the audio version. So once again, that is www.anwd.net slash videos to get the video version of this podcast. We are also brought to you this week by our friends at Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly mystery crate that delivers the best in geek and gaming gear. From collectibles, apparel, tech gadgets, art, and other epic gear, it's like Comic-Con in a box with a few less cosplayers, sadly. For less than 20 a month, you get 60 items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, and unique one-of-a-kind items and more. You have to the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe to receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. You can never get those items again. So sign up today at www.trylootcrate.com slash ANWD. Enter the code BRIDGE10 for 10% off any new subscription. We are also brought to you this week by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club. The best damn record of the month club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and says it's to thousands of members worldwide. Each record is pressed exclusively for Vinyl Me Please as features you can't get anywhere else. Things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, and comes packaged with a 12 by 12 Alm-inspired art print and custom cocktail pairing recipe. You can't beat it. Rad vinyl, new cocktails, rad art. It's pretty cool all around. And Vinyl Me Please isn't like Record of the Month clubs of old. It's month to month, no strings attached, cancel any time. So try that out. So sign up for Vinyl Me Please today at www.joinvmp.com slash ANWD. Once again, that is www.joinvmp.com Slash ANWD. This week, my guest is one cool school, Lil Razabal. He's back. We talk music, we talk cam work. I mean, we're just all over the place per usual. It's a really silly episode. We, we had a lot of fun with it. As usual, Juan says some inflammatory shit, so expect that. But otherwise, sit back, relax, pop a cold one. And enjoy drinking buddies. The Reaper in the building. And a shit clap. 
So Juan, Juan's got a good clap going. That's me. Got that good clap. Clippity clap. I got the clap, baby. She gave me the clap. Well, shit, we were already a couple beers in Uh-oh. before we got on air. Fucking. And now we drink. And now we do. Oh. Fuck, man. Oh, where's the bottle opener? Oh, yeah, right here. <laughs> so, fuck going on, man? Fucking, we're just uh, getting some fucking drama off the air off-air drama that we don't need to rehash on here oh yeah i'm so glad that we talked about all of the emotional bullshit between our lives and in our separate lives before air you guys won't get be able to hear that but it's for our therapists to talk about so. right it, <laughs> it's for the therapy it's for the therapy which uh i guess i'm gonna start doing yeah i mean yeah we both need it definitely yeah i think everyone in los angeles needs it I, almost, yeah everyone everybody. pursuing an entertainment career well, I think everybody needs therapy, some sort of therapy, whether it be legitimate or legit, some sort of somebody questioning your issues and talking to you through it. If you someone who's objective, someone objective, really talking you through it, Re- like really helping you lay it all out, is important. What whether or not who it is, as long as you do it, it's important. Oh yeah, because one hundred percent, everyone I've talked to about you know the drama we were talking about off air has been like, fuck that, stop. Everyone has been. Fuck that stop. Which also makes me a crazy person for being like, should I stop? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but once you hear enough, like, oh no, this is not normal. Stop doing this. Maybe eventually you'll know and understand deeply why. It's oh, normal. I know it's not normal. I know it's. <laughs> yeah. I know it's not normal. It's just, just yeah. Well, actually, no, no. I mean, well, never mind. Let's not get into too deep. We're not going to get into it, but. I know it's not normal. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But here's the thing. And the problem is, I mean, you know, and I'm just going to not go too deep, but all you listeners, it probably is normal for you. The dysfunction. But guess what? Dysfunction junction. The dysfunction. Watch your function. <laughs> well, but I just, here's the thing. We have to, I think we need to not normalize dysfunction. We need, just need to say, hey, you know what? That isn't right. That's dysfunctional. <laughs> you, at least we can call it out in ourselves. We should, but oh. Oh, well. Hi, hi, good to see you, Matt. <laughs> good to see you too, man. Fucking oh, yay, dysfunction. <laughs> yay. No, we were two dysfunctional Hollywood motherfuckers. Oh yeah, to the core. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, audience. So, what have you been up to, man? What's going on? What's new? What's new in the art world? Well, I have been really just developing projects for different clients. I've been doing freelance uh, illustration and production for the last six years just on my own and uh i've worked with a lot of cool corporate clients and on tv and on the internet and stuff like that and i decided that 2020 is really is the year that i need to buckle down get my llc started get everything officiated uh because i just i've done it enough and i and i know the clients i know the client i know the people i know the prices i know the workflow I need. I know all of the technicalities. I just need to really officiate it and get it all organized and professional and legitimized. And that's what that's what I'm in the middle of right now. Oh, look at you being a fucking adult. Trying. Oh no, I'm still I'm still you know struggling on on its in its own right. But you know what? Like one problem at a time. I think one problem at a time. You're okay. Yeah, yeah. Then they never seem to come one at a time, though. They never. Oh do. no, no, no! I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to view it like that right now. Even if it's five minutes from now, it's another problem. That in this five minutes, it's one problem at a time. 
<laughs> for each tiny segment, one problem at a time. See, my brain just can't do that. Like my brain's just like, no, no, no. This problem, 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 this problem. <laughs> Overanalyze them fucking all. Yeah, exactly. This is probably why I'm incapable of being happy for any length of time. Yeah. Well, what we need, and I know this sounds fictitious and fantastical, we need perfect peace and perfect love. And the problem with that is, is that it doesn't mean that life or love is going to be perfect, but it just means within your own head, at least be peaceful. You know, <laughs> That's not what this head does. <laughs> this head makes war. This head makes war. Whoa. This motherfucker is never at peace. I'm a warhead, man. Deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it, brother. I had a, potentially a pretty good thing going on not too long ago. And I overly analyzed it and made it miserable. Yep. Oh, yeah. So if I can't find peace with that, how the fuck am I going to find peace with anything? Well, I remember uh, one important or two important things. Don't judge yourself. And I've said this before. And two, not every thought is yours. Don't listen to your thoughts like they're you. Well, I do. (laughs) And then I started going down like weird rabbit holes. Have you ever gone down a rabbit hole like, Man, I feel kind of down. And then you start examining why you feel while you're down, and then you feel fucking worse. Like, oh, but it, it just spirals. Oh yeah. Well, because here's like I said, once you judge yourself, you well, go it's... deeper down that rabbit hole. Wait, no, no. Seriously, if you start obsessing about something, whether it's good or bad or whatever, you're you're either going to build your ego or your like opposite of ego, your self hatred. You know what I mean? So either way, they're both kind of bad. So, I mean, like, they're on a seesaw right now. Yeah, you, you don't want to be on the seesaw. You want to <laughs> like, be in the in the middle zone where you don't care about anything. You just kind of like emotionless. Like in, seriously, in like a because you can still be happy and joyful and be emotionless. Like no, like no drama. No, I'm not too happy. No, thank you. I I'm well, I mean, that is honestly how I try to operate, and that's why like when something pops the cork on my you know emotional stuff that's i go completely out of whack because i don't that's not how i live day to day yeah so it's like oh when the emotion's flooding it's like oh shit the dam broke the dam broke oh god flash flood right it's coming now the villagers are floating away oh god what do i do now um <laughs> fuck there goes the mayor uh <laughs> Shit. Uh, Chaos and destruction. Exactly. It's like, oh, uh, fuck. And then eventually, enough time passes. A new contractor comes in, builds a new dam, <laughs> and everything is back to fucking normal. Yeah, yeah. And then every once in a while, it's just like someone dynamites that shit like it's a terrorist attack. And it's like, oh, there goes the town again. Yeah, yeah. But it's few and far between. It's not like every fucking week I'm like, oh, God, ah, life is fucking miserable. Well, uh, let's let's... Ask this, has it become fewer and farther between as time goes on? Uh, it's been different. It's been fucking different. Because, like, when I was on the road full-time, I don't know how you're interviewing me all of a sudden, but when I was on the road full-time, like, financially, I had no worries. Zero financial worries. Huh. Because I was making good money. I had no expenses. But I started being miserable because i was isolated and like i just had no social you know yeah like no lasting social interaction i saw a ton of friends all the time but it's like i'd be the dude to pop in for a weekend a lot of half friends uh, the sea of acquaintances is how i like to yeah, refer to exactly it. yeah that makes sense 
the sea of acquaintances. I really like that because that's totally true when it comes to like a super party social scene. That's how my life was in Hollywood in Los Angeles for many years. Sea of acquaintances. And then as actually as the decades go on, eventually I become good friends with people. But yeah, it's like most of them are just acquaintances. Yeah, most of them are like, oh, that's my guy. That's my acquaintance. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just how, how Hollywood is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, yeah, I love that dude. No, you don't. Have I ever seen that dude outside of a bar? Nope. Not once. <laughs> Do I even really know that dude's last name? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you know how many people have known me for years who do not know my legal last name? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. But it's just, you know, it's Hollywood living. But on to fucking you instead of me you know, going on about my bullshit. Sure, like, sure, sure. People are here for you. They come for me every fucking week. They're just <laughs> like, I am the salad. Like, I come before the meal. You are the fucking meal here. <laughs> you gotta eat me up, babies. Not it. Not it. <laughs> Not it. Not it. For the video audience, <laughs> finger on the nose, nose goes. So you incorporating what, you know, what oh, yeah, I wanna projects make, you I want to make a, a, a an official LLC for a production company. And I know that sounds very vague because it kind of is. I mean, that's what my tax shelter is. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I want to be able to eventually have a studio where we make feature length animated movies and i hire animators sound designers voice actors everybody like i I would like to eventually have like a full-on company where i have health insurance for everybody and like serious seriously manage a company even and i'd like to do it at least with a starting with a few small projects and i've done enough cool projects where i've hired out a few a few people here and there uh as time's gone on but uh Never to the like an official status, and I'm like, you know what? It's not going to become official unless I make it official and just say this is what we're doing. So that's the goal is to make animated movies and cartoons, and uh, I eventually want to make it so that I every three months I release a vinyl record with a read along comic book, and then people subscribe to that so that you know like four times a month you get a vinyl record and a comic book in the mail, and it's like a, that sounds fucking pricey as shit. Oh yeah, I mean, I'd like to eventually do that because it would cost me about like the actual production cost is about six thousand dollars for that type of thing, which isn't insane, especially if I only have to spend like twenty four thousand dollars for the whole year. You know, that sounds really cheap for vinyl pressings. Oh no no yeah well because vinyl it'll cost you about two, around two thousand for like five hundred you know uh, so it's kind of expensive but if I were to build to that level of listenership and that level of support uh, and and within the next year or two I could totally see that come and if that was coming in from subscribers then I would automatically have it and say all right these are what you guys I owe you guys for oh oh, oh well. We missed the laptop. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I'll hold this down here. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, We're almost 10 minutes into the show. Almost had a party foul. Well, well, I've worked I've worked with other people before, and I don't like it when people don't... Well, they hire me, and they don't have their money yet, you know? So I, I'm deciding to make sure that I have a certain level of savings before I hire anybody. And when I hire people, I offer them money that I know for certain that I have already. And you know what? If I twenty four thousand a year, that's not that crazy. No, it's not that much. Like, I mean, my parents made that money when I was a kid, like total. <laughs> I but... probably spent more than that on alcohol in twenty nineteen. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. 
That, uh, let's see, there's 52 weeks a year. Yeah. But when it comes to the clients that have had hire me, and I see where they're at, and they're not even the top of the echelon or uh, or other people who I see, they are top of the echelon. I see what they're actually spending. I realize that's not that crazy of a dream. No, it's, there is some serious bloat in and, entertainment. And also, everybody that I talk to and say, hey, I'm working on a cyberpunk animated movie, and I want to make vinyl record sing-along comic books. Everyone's like, that sounds rad. So what is the cyberpunk comic that you want to do? It's called Star Drain. Okay. And uh, it's kind of an allegory about everything I've experienced in the film music industry, but completely retranslated to new characters, new world. I don't want to have to fucking give away too much information about real people because it doesn't matter. I don't want to call anyone out. I don't, I'm not trying to start any drama. I just want to have a funny, interesting story that is very similar to what happens in real life. And I want to have, uh, <laughs> this Island star drain is on, uh, a planet. That's like a trash planet that the entire universe just sees as like garbage waste dump planet. So LA. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much LA. And, but there is one small city where there's all like artificially intelligent, like beings that are just kind of like living by the the system. They're all like compared to the human normies of today. <laughs> if you can kind of imagine that. And they're uh, living in a city that's a bubble town called Mediocre City. Beverly Hills. Got it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something, something along those lines or, you know, just my mom always called Hollywood. Uh, there's a difference between real L.A. and fake L.A. And they're all like intermingled. They all hire each other. They all kind of know each other. But you know real LA and fake LA only when you see it. You know, and, and I realized like that's kind of how I imagine this. So the island of Star Drain is where this green alien character who's the Hollywood cowboy, he has an apartment building that he built himself that he just rents out to his friends and hundreds of different monsters that live there and aliens and mutants, you know. And in the first floor, it's like they all got their own stores and their own little businesses. So he encourages them to have run businesses for each other. And they have like a bar, a little strip club, a little music club, all this different stuff down there. Uh, but they don't interact with mediocre city. They don't. They're like, those are the bad guys, you know. And mediocre city sees them as like vagrant pieces of crap, like wandering homeless people, you know. So they're just like totally not connected you know and there's this cyborg ant boy who comes out of this ant hill and makes himself gigantic with a giganto ray and he becomes friends with them at the hotel with the hollywood cowboy the green alien and then he goes to mediocre city and explores both worlds so it's kind of like the story of a a young up-and-coming musician in a way experiencing the underground and the pop culture world both sides and kind of seeing the ups and downs of both ends. So I, that's kind of what, that's what star drain is about. And, uh, and that's what I'd really like to push. And I'm doing it right now where I'm just recording audio with my friends and just say, Hey, this is the character. I'm doing little animated snippets. And once I get real good audio recordings of what I want to do, then that's when I like actually start organizing the text and the screen caps and the of the storyboards and then animating characters because I don't know, I, I don't really get the character unless I hear the audio. When I get the right voice and the right person, then I know like, okay, this is exactly what's happening. So from my experience in production, it's been if we can create the audio, then we can animate the cartoon on top of it. 
So that's that's how I'm going for it because I do sound design primarily. Nice, nice. So you got a part for me? Oh yeah, trust me. That's that's what we're going to be discussing after <laughs> after the podcast. Oh, when I'm all sloshed, like, hey, <laughs> welcome to Star Drain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you want a room? You want a girl? Well, no. I mean, I have a lot of audio stuff I need to record, and w- to be honest, it's like, okay, well. Hey, Matt, you want an animated intro? Well, guess what? I charge a lot of money and you can't afford it. So how about let's trade work? <laughs> fair, fair, fair. <laughs> Thank you for calling out to my listeners that are broke right now. Like, yep. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, like, not that you're broke, <laughs> but you're but you're, you're not able to afford my corporate prices. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> See, this is what I get for mentioning that I have an LLC before we got on air. So, like, oh, corporate rates, corporate rates. <laughs> I'm a corporation of one. No, no, but that's why we're homies, and then we can trade. I'm work. fucking with you. I'm just fucking with you. I mean, you would not be the first animated project that has been recorded here. Brandon Brocato's Gone Gnomes. A bunch of the dialogue has been recorded here. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that. That's so you know cool. Brandon. I've never. I didn't never. I don't know about that. I don't know about anything about that. Uh, he has a project where Brandon who Brandon Brocato. He's a comedian. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Everybody. Google Brandon Brocato right now. You know him if you listen to the show regularly, but um, Brandon has a show called Gone Gnomes that he's actually putting together a pitch Bible for. It's like rowdy trailer park uh, garden gnomes. (laughs) I love that concept. It's great. We've done multiple recording sessions because we did the original session with a couple people and then they changed up the script. So we redid it. But it was like freestyle. No, there's actual script. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, I don't want to give away plot, but there's an actual. But you think that's, but would you, and out of your experience then, just because I'm trying to feel this out, I'm an illustrator. So all the other side of things is kind of like my beginner level, uh, I'm an animator illustrator. So would you you think that the best thing to do is to have a a fleshed out complete script ahead of time? Because I'm developing that, but then some people think it's best to not. Well, even if you have a fully developed script, doesn't mean you can't do some ad lib takes. Hmm. That's a good point. A fully developed script means that your voice actor, when you sit them down, like, this is the plot. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have a better mm-hmm. way to convey this than the writers originally did, try it out. You can, yeah. We can do another take. But at least they know. <clears throat> Holy shit. Excuse me. See, mine was just weak and wet there. Like, this dribble. <laughs> it's like I popped a load and it was just dribbling out of my dick. Yours was like mighty fucking ropes. That was a ropey burp. <laughs> It's a ropey fucking burp. A lot of burp come all over the table now. Oh, yeah. Some, girl, <laughs> some girl's getting that out of her eye. <laughs> somebody's daughter. They're everyone's somebody's <laughs> daughter. Then they know where the story's going. They, yeah. they, they know their character development. It can get too chaotic, especially if you have the wrong people in the booth. Mm. If they have no guidance on like what their character's about. Yeah. If you're just like, Matt ad-lib stuff, you never know where I'm going to go with shit. Yeah, exactly. I may talk about ropey burps. You're like, but you're playing a priest, Matt. <laughs> oh, okay. So the ropey burps go to fucking young boys. Got it. Got it. There's no vagina involved. Creepy. Reality. Oh, we're not. We're doing sci-fi, not reality. But it is a dystopian future, right? So, yeah. It's a, well, no, no, no. It's not quite. It, it, it seems like it, there's a dystopian future in Mediocracy, but it seems like there's. it looks like a dystopian future in Star Drain, but actually it's kind of a happy little world, you know? 
It's communist propaganda. Well, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. It's anti-communist propaganda. In fact, the mediocrity is basically the communist world. It's like California. It's like the communist United States state uh, where, you know, there's all these rules and then everyone's like broken and nihilistic and they hate their lives. Are you kidding? But they're robots. They're like half our AI. In real California, the rules only apply to you and me. <laughs> the rich folks don't play by the same rules we do. Oh, no, no, exactly. But that's when communism, the rich people are the only ones that really get the benefits in general. I mean, come on, let's let's give it off. Like the people who were rich at the time that communism started. You know? <laughs> you know, see, here's the thing. You and I get a lot of benefits of you know, communist Russia because communist Russia just threw men at Nazi Germany and killed a lot of dudes. There are a lot of Russian women without dudes. <laughs> we benefit from that. I'm into Russian girls. So I, Hey, Russian women are pretty fucking fine. Oh and, my God. And they want green cards. So I got something. They got uh, something. Oh my gosh. Well, I really am. I'm fascinated with Russian immigrant women, too, who are American-born or Amer imported to Im America. They're fucking beautiful, and they're coming into this town, and they're just tourists. And I'm like, hey, what's up, beautiful lady? Quite gorgeous, indeed. I want to wife one up one day. I'm, I'm sure I'm, you know, I'll get drunk, and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, green card? I'm on it. <laughs> Would you like to be an American citizen, young lady? <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean that—that's the main thing. Is I—I I, I guess if I could talk about this more, I, I've been addictively creating music, addictively. Like I make more music than I masturbate, and that's saying a lot for a male grown adult. I mean, look at his wrists; that's pretty impressive. But uh, in the end, I—I uh, I, I just I've had too much music in my discography that I decided. Some music is for different characters. This music is this guy. This music is this chick. She made this. You know, this track is this person's character. And so I I have hundreds and hundreds of songs. And they're all, even from the, when I began, they're all supposed to be uh, this, this divided between different characters. So Star Drain is interesting because when it comes out, there will be kind of like a, a streaming service where you'll be able to watch episodes and listen to the music also. So I'm really excited for it because it's like a, a, a almost like I've been spending the last 10 years building this. It really is. And I, while I'm learning my bullshit and going through ex-girlfriends and figuring life out, you know, and this is... As you do. As you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm I'm proud of it, and that's what's coming up, and that's what uh, I've been spending all my time on. Also, nice. I wish I was nearly that productive. I mean, not to say I'm not working on shit, but you are very productive, mind you. Just well, here's here's my thing: is I was productive on other people's projects before, you know, and before I was working on art projects, I was productive at other people's jobs. Tommy Pastrami, you know, fucking UPS, all these other jobs. And I'm like working hours and hours for things that I don't give a fuck about. I know it's, it's fucking frustrating. And I, and I was the, always the type of person I like, I grew up homeless. So I was always the type of person who would more willingly walk out than do what the fuck you say. If you're an asshole, right? Cause you don't need the shit. Yeah. Like what? Like I can be broke. I've been broke my whole life. Suck my dick later. I'll walk out like, I've been broke before. I'll be broke again. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't matter to me then. 
And nowadays, uh, it doesn't matter if I'm broke, but it does matter if I'm not able to buy food. And it does matter if I'm not able to have a roof over my head. So the when I was 12, my biggest hustle was doing portraits on Hollywood Boulevard. And nowadays, it's turned into whenever I need money, find a bar, do portraits, and I'll have like 50 to 100 bucks by the end of the night. And I'm fine. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen you do it at the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. I've do, dude, the comedy store is prime for that because a lot of people are tourists or they're comedians with money and there's a lot of comedians without money but they're like in the middle like <laughs> the tourists have money and then the comedians with money have money yeah like hey hey opener out of the way <laughs> yeah hey opener get the fuck out of here <laughs> we know you're a regular but you yeah. only got 40 bucks in your pocket open micer get the fuck out of the way get the fuck out of the way if you're an open micer i'll do your portrait for free and then <laughs> hook it up and then you know we'll move on to the rich guys yeah, later yeah. on well, but other than that, like, you know, that's been my main hustle. And then I realized if I can just, when I meet like the, the good old boys with projects, then I could, I need to get to the point where I was like, all right, here we go. We're working a real project. You need to treat me like a real professional and you need to give me a fucking, now I'm at the point right now where it's like, you want to hire me. You need to give me a retainer. I'm, oh, that's how I would work too. I'm like a fucking lawyer. You yeah, you yo you want a five hundred dollar project because that's like twenty four like or twelve hours right now like five hundred bucks at this level for twelve hours. All right, fine. Well, give me three grand because I know you're gonna give me a you need a lot and you're gonna need way more than that. And what you're asking for is way more than a twelve hour project. And I'm like, you're gonna need to drop two grand. See, the way I do it is, I tell you, you can put whatever you want in the retainer. The work just comes to a screeching halt when you expend it until you put more money. Yeah, in. exactly. Like, put whatever you want there, but when the money runs out, you're fucking done. Right. So you re-up. <laughs> work comes to a screeching halt. But I won't start until you drop a deposit. Right. No, there has to be something. <laughs> there has to be fucking something. Yeah. I mean, if it's 50 bucks, cool. Yeah, I know. Even if, honestly, even if it's a small amount that's like, oh, I'm good for the money. Hey, if you pay soon, then I trust you a little, a little bit more. Uh, but other than that, like it's got to the point where I, I had a lot of people where I just said, I, okay, maybe I, I feel like maybe they were ripping me off, but that's not quite true because in actuality, I could have seen red flags and realized that this person isn't worth trusting quote in that quote specific situation. Well, it's just one of those things where like, for whatever reason, when you're a small business, when you're a sole proprietor, you're just a small LLC. Mm -hmm. People don't view you like fucking UPS or like a real fucking oh, yeah. bill. You got to fucking pay. They don't. They don't see that. So that's why I'm I'm taking like a bigger stance because even if I give people cheaper deals under the covers or like underneath in, in an email, I'll give you a deal or whatever if you're like serious about it. But it's like no, I have to say the fucking main price. Even if you're a fucking hot, beautiful woman who thinks I'm cute and wants to hire me slightly. I'm not just going to give you a deal because you're hot. Like I actually have to charge you or say that I'm going to charge you professionally first. And then if you say, Hey, this isn't in my budget, we can work it out. But I have to tell you first, the exactly prices. Like I need to manage your expectations of this is what this costs. Yeah, exactly. As long as they understand it costs this much normally, then people treat you differently and they don't like fuck you around with you as much. So I, I, I took a little bit of, learning in that respect because I, I could have easily come out 
too aggressively for people I didn't really ask that much for in the beginning. I was like, hey, I'll do this for X, Y, and Z. And then I'm like, hey, you need to pay more for notes. And they're like, wait, but you didn't say that beforehand. And I'm like, but it makes sense. And then they're like, but you didn't say that beforehand. Right. <laughs> no, it's all about spelling things out very fucking clearly in the beginning. Like Exactly. This is what everything costs. Give me as much money or as little money as you want. But the minute it runs dry, work comes to a screeching fucking halt. Exactly. And you know what? I, it's gotten to the point where my results are coming out clearly enough to where people respect it. And if I tell, like, I have a specific client right now who he just told me, hey, I'm, he told me he would drop up about an amount of money. He did not. But then he did follow it up with, hey, I'm going to have to wait till next month. Fuck yeah. Perfectly fine. I don't give a shit. <laughs> right, exactly. Just tell me. <laughs> I was so grateful that he told me. I was disappointed slightly that I wasn't going to get the money immediately, but I was 10 times more grateful that he fucking told me. Right, instead of being like, yo, where's my check? Where's my check? <laughs> right. Motherfucker, where's my check? Don't make me come over there. Where's my fucking money? And I've had to do that with people who I thought were close friends, and it's like, hey, I don't hate you, but I need this fucking money. You promised me this money. Like, I've had to do it with rich people. I've had to do it with (laughs) fucking celebrities I've worked for. Like, where the fuck's my money? Where the fuck's my money? I'm taking your shit off the internet. Where's my money? (laughs) Where the fuck's my money? One of the funniest things is when they're like expecting a lot and then they say, oh, we're going to give you this much money and that's a lot of money and it's fine. But then after the project, you have to wait fucking three months before it goes through. And it's at the point where it's like, you know, I'm not willing. I'm. I don't have enough money invest or saved up or invested to be waiting for that. I. You have to pay me up front or at least a deposit, or I'm not going to start. Like it's. I, I can't wait three months for even if it's five grand. That's great. That's. I'm so like. I'm at the point in my life where five grand is a lot, a lot to me. But if you give me five grand three months after, it's kind of. Ugh, not that's, that's cool. valuable. Like me. I've lost twenty pounds because I haven't fucking eaten because I haven't got my fucking money. <laughs> like, hey, you know what that money goes to? Fucking food in my face. I'm on the late payment diet, <laughs> right? I'm doing fucking portraits for ramen. One portrait gets that a hurts. lot of top ra- a lot of top ramen. That the p- top portraits for top ramen that I did not expect to be so specifically attacked <laughs> over this interview. <laughs> sorry, sorry, we just got a little too real. Got a little too real. Yeah, man. Well, I, I, my brothers and I, I'm just gonna, I guess, talk about my history. I guess then we we, we started doing a Hollywood Boulevard art when we were little kids. My mom and dad brought us over when I was about tw- 10, 11 or twelve. And there was some drama up in Northern California and we were phasing down here because we were living with our grandparents. My mom and dad were like, fuck it. We're going to go to Hollywood. We're going to go to LA. We're going to put my, our kids in the middle of the culture. And when star Wars episode three came out, which is very specifically, you'll be able to know the dates of when this happened, I guess then. But we went out and sold illustrations, fan art of all the star Wars characters. All of us, we went to Kinko's, we copied this stuff. We sold them in a binder we sold like, you know, $10 uh, copies, $20 portraits, $100 paintings uh, on canvases. Like we would do whatever we could. We ended up making like $400 in one day 
right on the premiere of Star Wars Episode Three, and we all bought our own tickets. And also, we bought our own tickets for Nightmare Before Christmas every single night that year, which I think was 2006 or seven. Every single night for the 13 nights of Nightmare Before Christmas, and they had special pins every night. Me and my brothers had four sets of each of those pins because we were selling our art on the boulevard. So in my mind, I always knew if I sell art about things people like, they'll pay me. They'll give me money, and and it'll work out. Uh, So I always knew that capitalism worked because I could draw. Because <laughs> you have a skill. Yeah, exactly. If you have a skill, you can sell it. So- if you just got to know where to sell it, and you're fine. I know. I sell that ass on the street. <laughs> no one's buying. No one's fucking buying. <laughs> the wrong market, man. Wrong fucking market. Like, not, just no buyers. Just no fucking buyers. Go home depressed every fucking night. Just no one's buying that ass. Yeah, you know what's funny is that I wanted to get into selling my body for sex. Up until I realized when I was I was doing kind of like some cam video stuff on like uh, Chatterbait, I realized it's basically my market is exclusively gay men, and it's like ah no I'm not interested in that <laughs> I'm just not excited I'm not passionate about that value of mine. <laughs> Get in where you fit in, man. Like <laughs> hey, if the gay community's India. Be flattered. They're generally better dressed than us. I'm flattered. I'm flattered. I just think, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're friends, and I'm friendly with them, but I'm not going to fucking give them dick pics at discount prices. Well, don't discount them. <laughs> fucking full rate. <laughs> yeah. All right, gay faggots. There's a fucking full rate price. If you want a dick pic, it's $500. The end. <laughs> if you want a real price. <laughs> Other than that, all gay people in my life are just platonic friends. And I don't mind if you're gay. It doesn't matter to me. But if you're being a creep, you're going to have to pay full price. This is where Juan gets himself canceled. <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh, no, no, no. Dude, trust me. I've been canceled a number of times already. This I'm, I'm at the point where I was canceled four or five years ago, and I'm okay now. Like, you're I don't like, care how much they canceled like, I was me. canceled four or five years ago. They brought me back for reruns. <laughs> they brought me back for reruns. Exactly. <laughs> There was a fan like letter writing campaign. They brought you back. Well, here's the thing. My first records that were publicly released were 10 years ago now. So I'm a decade old in my career, you know, so that being a decade old with your music is actually really cool because then, you know, you can just talk about it as if it's like music history, you know, and, he, and there's the guy even at fucking UCLA that wrote about me in his musicology paper. So, hey, I mean, I'm, I may not be as like, I'm, I'm a bit of a wash up, but at least it was 10 years ago now and I can bring it up as like legitimate history. <laughs> you know, so now I'm like, fine, fuck it. Like, I'm still productive. I'm, I'm not a wash up. But like, I'm stopped, you know, or anything like that. Or like, my career's not over. It's just still kind of beginning and getting better. So why not? Why not? Well, bring it? insulting the gay community is not going to help your career in Hollywood. Oh, no. I, I love the gay community. But if you're fucking messaging me dirty messages and demanding dick pics like a horny man, you're a fucking faggot. Like, that's just I got to throw out the mean words like at that point, because it's like I have if you are trying to dominate me, I'm going to dominate you. Sorry, like later on, like if you, I'm going to either ignore you or talk shit to you. Ignoring you is probably the best plan because they could be into you talking shit to them. Oh, ex- no, but that's what I'm saying. When you talk shit to the ones who are into it, they cough up the money. <laughs> okay, you got a whole plan here. Oh, no, I've got a plan. 
I'm not just calling the gay community negative names just to uh, to be mean. I'm calling the gay community negative names to neg them and to raise the price. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you fucking package won't drop that fucking Ethereum deposit. You got, got that cryptocurrency number. Trust me, there's going to be a link in the bio. If you want to buy out my fucking soul, then go for it. If you can't, I'm going to say mean things until you feel like it's right. <laughs> One full Bitcoin for his asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, and I'll make that asshole bleed for a full Bitcoin. <laughs> Trust me. One full Bitcoin. No partials. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, dude. My Oh, yeah. You know what? Actually, I'm at the point where like, mm, like okay. half a BTC. One, okay. one, one BTC is worth a lot for me right now for all of you uh, dirty homosexuals out there. But. 10 uh, BTC, 10 BTC, I'll do almost anything. 10 BTC, that's pretty good. And I'll use that money wisely. I mean, 10 BTC is like only $90,000. That's fine. That's good enough for me. Because okay. it'll be about 150 grand in like three years. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Who fucking knows at this point? Oh, my God. I'm so excited to listen to this three years from now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just put- <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll sweep up your floor. I'm just scratching <laughs> off the. Uh, I'm scratching off the logo of this Sapporo because I'm saying mean things about homosexuals and I'm worried that they're going to come and murder me in my sleep. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say mean shit about people that you're worried about murdering you. Oh no, it's fine. I'll be murdered eventually. Yeah, fair enough. And there are worse ways to go. Yeah, like fucking in your sleep, like by yourself. Oh, that sucks. At least if they kill you, they care. They care enough to kill you. <laughs> like they got enough emotional investment in you to kill you. Yeah, exactly. It's firing. I, but oh, unless, thank you. Unless it's just I'm some dead. random fucking mall shooting. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be a fucking bitch? Like, you weren't even the intended target. That but, would be sick. Because here's the thing. I, you know what? Nihilists, I've noticed, really glorify suicide, and I don't like that. But I would deeply appreciate being quickly murdered. In a random event. I would love it. Oh, cool. I don't have to do the rest of my life. Yay, thank you. But I have a feeling that I'm going to be cursed with a very long life. So I might as well enjoy it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I've often given that thought of like, well, you know, just quick and over with. I won't know. I'll be gone. <laughs> it's better than, you know. Uh-oh. <laughs> Juan, just beer bottles rolling away from him. <laughs> for the video audience the beer bottle is just rolling clear across my floor that's why we just put them back in the six pack holder oh yeah that's a good point <laughs> so we don't just have party fouls right back here no more party fouls they'll just stay there perfect <sighs> so what I was saying is like to just have it over quick like unexpectedly mm-hmm. is almost better than like yeah my grandparents went to 97 <laughs> damn that's good it's good but it's also like Talking to them at that age was fucking depressing. They're just like, you know, all our friends are dead. And no one no one wants to invest time with us because they don't think we're going to be around much longer. So it's just like horrible, lonely existence with your body failing you. You know, mm-hmm. my grandfather probably hadn't had an erection in 20 years. Who knows? I'm not, I didn't, I certainly didn't ask, but you didn't try to stimulate his erection to make sure that. No, no, not my cup of tea. 
<laughs> Elderly Jewish men are just not my thing, especially ones related to me. Just not my thing. You're not into the daddy thing? No, no, no. I'm into being the daddy. Not... <laughs> yeah, perfect. Exactly. Why do you think it's still great, man? I Oh, yeah. I could invest in hair dye. I ain't that broke. <laughs> Women are into this shit. Perfect. Like, oh, Leo made my body cool? Thank you. Thanks, Leo. You're the fucking man. I will vote for you on every Oscar you're ever up Leonardo for. DiCaprio? Yeah, he made Dad Bod's cool. Yeah? Which, which, which movie? No, it's just him in life. <laughs> like, there was some fucking, like, one of the mags was like, Leo, Dad Bod, beach shit, and... <sighs> It's like Leo made dad bod's cool. So my three, I'm I'm the oldest of four brothers. My three younger brothers are all way more fit than me. My youngest brother is a break dancer now and a skateboarder also. My other next brother's Christian and he's a break dancer, you know, super muscular, tough guy. And he works at UPS. My next brother who's younger than me, Emilio, who's also in the military and he's running ultra runs and marathons, ultra marathons all over the world. And it's at the point where I'm actually the unfit one and I'm as lanky and kind of semi-normal as my body type is. And it's got to the point where like my ex-girlfriend from two years ago said I had a dad bod and talked about how she likes dad bods. And I was like, wow, I have a, oh my, I face palmed so hard. Like I have a dad bod. Okay. Hey, it means you're eating. <laughs> it means I'm eating. <laughs> it means yeah. you're doing well for yourself. You're fucking eating. You're not starving. <laughs> oh, take that, childhood. <laughs> right. Right in the dick, childhood. Right in the dick. <laughs> no, hell. Here's an article from 2017 from Cosmo. Uh-oh. Leonardo DiCaprio is reportedly proud of his dad bod. So doing so so do continue loving every inch of him. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. So Leo Leo made this shit cool. Thank you, Leo. <laughs> To all the bitches that like the belly. I mean, this picture of Leo is definitely not a dad body. It's definitely not, but they want to call it one. See, yeah, that's that, okay. I don't, apparently, that's dad bod. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, hey, I got higher expectations for women than they have for men, I guess. Maybe. Oh, but. 100%. 1000%. Like, I. You just saw the person, the last person I had sex with. Like, <laughs> she is much prettier than I am handsome. Congratulations, my dear Slayer. I punch above my weight class all the fucking time. Because I am because I am charming and I talk very quickly and it's bamboozling. Dear listeners, if you are a nerdy motherfucker who has no confidence in yourself, as long as you take time on your own to work on that, you're fine. I know guys who are not just slightly overweight, but full on obese. Who get bitches like crazy because they are bosses and they have like their own confidence. So don't worry. You're fucking fine. I've been out. I've been, I've been out fucked by guys five times as heavy as me. Well, maybe not five times because that's probably like a thousand pounds at that point. But but like math's not your strong suit. I get it. You're an artist. Four or five hundred pound guys. Like, literally humongous guy with, like, tons of women, like, begging them for dick. And I'm like, fuck, all right. If I guess if that if that happens, I'm probably fine. <laughs> as, as, so, as long as you're a listener and you're confident, you're fine. If you're whining about an ex-girlfriend, you need to calm down and find somebody else. 
and say something confident, even if it's a little bit too confident. And trust me, you'll be like, oh, wait, the pendulum swings the opposite way. It's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A little bit back at me. No, no, not you. But like for listeners, like how many people listen to the podcasts because they don't have like enough conversation in their lives? I'm sure a fair amount of enough people were like, I'd like to be Matt's friend. (laughs) (laughs) yo yeah exactly because you fucking talk to interesting people on a regular basis and you you're involved with hollywood and and everyone fantasizes about that you know it's not as glamorous as we make it seem like on the internet (laughs) much more glamorous glamorous than a fake reality on the internet yeah it's all just curated (laughs) life on the internet you know we curate our best lives on the fucking internet (laughs) my cool skull life is much more boring and depressing in actuality Right? It's like, <laughs> I masturbated into a hand sandwich today. <laughs> that didn't make it to Instagram. I wish Matt was lying, guys. <laughs> I wish I had a ham sandwich. <laughs> I wish I had a ham sandwich instead. <laughs> I wish I had a ham sandwich to masturbate into. I don't even have a ham sandwich. I just masturbated into it, and it's in the trash. <laughs> well, I took a couple bites. For- no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I've never tasted my own cum. Does that make me vanilla? That I've-, I've, I've tasted my own cum. Was, How'd it go? It was fine. It was it was totally fine. I did not feel weird about it. I was like, ah, okay. I mean, it's back fine. in the day, back when I could really pop a shot, I did pop one over my shoulder, but I made sure to dodge it when it got near my face. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, the, it does not pop like that anymore. Well, the last time I had sex with somebody, it popped into their hair and by their ear, which is pretty sick. I was like, all I right. Mean, what was okay, the angle? Yeah. Were she, you know. What angle were you at that it almost popped into your hair? Were you standing up? Or it's a lot less impressive if your dick is next to their face. Oh, no, no. I was I was fucking your missionary style. And then, like, I pulled out because I didn't want to get my baby batter in the wrong hole. And I just squirted on her belly, and it got up by her ear and her hair. It skipped a little? Oh, yeah. It's, it, it was like the rock with the nose, double skip. It was pretty great. Someone's like, golf clap. <laughs> Well done, sir. Well done. Well done with that load, sir. There's plenty of zinc in your diet, sir. I know. That's the depressing part of being in my late 30s. I was just like, man, I just don't pop like I used to. I mean, it makes cleanup a ton easier. What, what, do you can, what do you think about this? I was recently meditating and praying, and I asked. For a bigger load? No, 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 no just in general. And I was just meditating and trying to find truth. And I asked. What is the one thing that I can do right now tangibly that can help me elevate into a higher level of consciousness and be more aware and totally do better in life? And what I kept hearing in my head was semen retention. Stop coming. That's how you get cancer, bro. (laughs) I mean, if cancer is going to make you a better person, cool. I hope it's not cancer. Oh, yeah. But that's yeah, how, no, that's how you get prostate cancer. But yeah, and it got to the point where it's like, okay, I need... Well, because I was watching this video about... I mean, some, you really want a doctor's finger up your ass that bad? Oh, no, no. But what I heard is that as long as you're able to, like, control your semen and, like... Make it do tricks? like and, no, no, and then, So that you can, like, not come very much when you're fucking. That eventually you'll be able to control it and then come less often than she does. Uh, I want her to come more than me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. That would be preferred. So that's what I'm, I'm saying. Because, for example, I was always peeing the bed my entire life. Almost up until I was 14, I peed the bed really badly. And then when I grew up, I would still wake up and need to pee like five times in a row, like really 
not even able to control. So already bladder. prostate problems. Yeah. So, but once I started practicing semen retention and then like muscular exercise on my like prostate. Oh yeah, you got to do a little, little kegel thing. Yeah, doing my kegels and really strengthening it up. I noticed, oh shit, I can hold it in a little bit better. And I would be able to like jack off for like a half an hour and then not come and then just like hold it, you know, go the slow. Fucking bit. edging. Yeah, edging, but then a little bit of like really knowing like, okay, I'm holding it in right now for sure. Stop, hold it. Wait, and then once my muscles got stronger, I felt like I could fuck for much longer, you know? And maybe I felt maybe smarter and healthier. <laughs> See, I feel smarter once I get the poison out. <laughs> so many bad decisions while the poison's still in. The poison. The human poison. Oh, yeah. It's, it's full of poison. I mean, if you get that in the wrong place, it makes a baby. And that is fucking horribly toxic. <laughs> Well, and another thing I would like to do is to shift the culture to not look as children as toxic because it's natural. It's much more natural than just like hedonistic sex. Having humans is much more natural than hedonistic sex. What do you think? I mean, only if your pullout game's trash. Coming inside is great, though. Oh, it is the best. Oh, it I, is the fucking best. It is. Come on. And it's natural. That's why it's great. I'm pretty sure I shoot blanks. I've never had a pregnancy scare. Really? Not once. Oh, my God. I'm I have, the king of pregnancy scares. It's I so have sad. finished in a, Well, you're Hispanic. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of how that goes. Kind of how that goes. Oh, my God. It's sad. Sad story. I mean, how many abortions have you had to pay for? Okay, let me rephrase. How many abortions have you gotten her to pay for? No, okay, here's the thing. Uh, it, it was always the, the government paying for it, essentially. See? And you say socialism is bad. No, it is bad. It is bad because abortion is bad. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, no, way. I, no fucking know, way. Abortion is bad. Abor- and here's the thing. Let's just say this because this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about this. Okay, let's get in. Uh, abortion is wrong mostly from the sense of where the government is incentivizing people to do it. Not necessarily that people each doing it are evil, fucked up people, but I, I although I do think it is a selfish act if the baby's going to be technically healthy, one. Yeah. But two, the government really is incentivizing and saying, hey, guys, do this. It's free. It doesn't matter. Who cares? And that I think is especially since one the main thing that I've noticed being in abortion clinics is that they actually say incorrect side effects due to, from the medication. They'll say this is a side effect, this is a side effect, and then not give clear information about what the side effects really are. And having to be on the other side of that, on the other end of that, months after having more side effects than what are talked about and having worse side effects than what is even considered on the paperwork that they give you, they're giving wrong, false information and they're encouraging and incentivizing people to freely abort healthy babies. Well, if you're not going to provide a good home and not does, be a good parent. Doesn't matter. Doesn't it does. Matter. It does. It no, no, no. It, you, the reason it doesn't matter is because it's not the baby's fault. Yeah. And you're choosing. You no, know, I mean, hey, the, the, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to attack everybody who's ever had an abortion. I know. I'm you mo- just had like five of them. I'm mostly talking uh, about how the government sets it so that people's view on abortion is to the point where 
we're just going to give you your culture genocide without you knowing. We're secretly going to encourage your culture to genocidically cut yourselves out of the evolutionary curve. And that's what it is because 70% of abortion clinics are in low income locations. Yeah, because poor and uh, poor folk can't afford the kid. Exactly. And for you guys to encourage and develop billions of dollars worth of, of info to give these poor communities to incentivize them to genocidically cut themselves off the evolutionary curve. Hey, well, first and foremost, there are poor, more poor white people than anything else in this country. doesn't matter. Yeah, that's great. But how come 70% of these uh, abortion clinics are in black and Latino neighborhoods? I want to fact check that. Yeah, check that out. At the end of the day, no one's forcing them into the clinics. No, that's exactly. So here's the thing. The the government is slightly at fault, but I think everybody who's selfishly into having sex hedonistically is also at fault, including myself, who has done that and been involved with that. So I, I I'm not I'm not pushing the blame on other people. I'm I'm oh, accepting the blame first part of it. You know what I mean? Because I'm willing to just say, oh, whatever. Let's just fucking kill it. You well, th- that's the thing. I would much rather kill it than. First of all, it's not even an it at mm. that point. It's I think it is it's because it's not else. going to be a toaster. It's not going to be anything How do you know? else. You're not a doctor. It's not scientifically going to be anything other than a living human being. Scientifically, there's only one thing it can be, and that's a being. And it, unless there's serious health in- problems, which you are always able to tell early on. Okay. Okay. But still, there's enough of us. There don't need to be more monkeys. There's yeah, plenty. we're at a deficit of births right now. Us in Japan, that's it. <laughs> what? You wouldn't want less people on the 405? I would definitely like more freeways and more happy families. I think that that's all the problem. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. I'm being interviewed right now, so I'm going to speak my piece. Fine. People who exist, one should recognize that sex creates people. Wait, wait, as a scientific fact, that's what happens. Scientifically, when you do that and you do it technically by the book properly, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to not make children, which you all fucking dumbasses should do if you don't want to have a kid. But if you do all of the technically right things, it creates humans. So we have to either, one, respect sex more and understand that that happens, or two, just stop having sex. Uh, fuck that and fuck that. <laughs> See, exactly. And there goes what? the American hedonism. Damn right. I am freely admitting I'm a hedonist. <laughs> freely. Freely. I'm a pleasure monkey. Come on. But here's the thing. Uh, if I were to bring a child into this world, uh-huh. I would ruin that kid's life. Why? Oh, on purpose? No. Just like I've ruined a bunch of women's lives. It wasn't on purpose, but it happened. So you're just uh, assuming prematurely that you're going to ruin this child's life. Oh, yes. Very much so. Why? Because I do not have the skills. Now we go back to the part where I'm interviewing Matt. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, no, I'm just, it's part of the conversation. (laughs) I, I do not have the skills to be a good parent. Should I bring more Sapporo, by the way? Yes. (laughs) Okay, keep talking. I do not have the skills to be a good parent. Uh, I recognize this fact. I recognize the fact that I'm a selfish human being. I'm a selfish human being who is prone to making wild and rash decisions 
This is why I'm primarily single most of the time because I make wild and rash fucking decisions. And I like the fact that when I make wild and rash decisions, it only negatively affects me. At the point where there are children involved, my wild and rash decisions could irreparably fuck a kid up for life. Because hmm. you never know what little fucking decision you make is going to be traumatic to a child and fuck them up forever. Okay, but if all humans that exist come from childhood, then is it... This is a question. Some wait, people, wait, wait, wait. This is a question. This is a question. Stop, stop, stop. I'm not done asking the question, so do not fucking inter- interrupt me. This is a question. So passionate. Is it valuable for more humans to seek out positive childhoods for future children? Yeah. I'm not willing to provide it. <laughs> okay. No, it's all well and good for people that were like, I have a g- friend that I've known since elementary school. Got four kids. He's happy with it. And he's great about it. He's a right. good dad. Yeah. Well, as far as I know, I mean, I don't think he's hitting them. I mean, not hard. <laughs> not, hard not hard enough. Right. It's, it's just a little <laughs> love tap. So let them know that like you fucked up a little bit. I have no idea if my friend's abusing his children. Please don't call DCFS on him. <laughs> and he listens to the show. Sorry, man. Um, but at the end of the day, I know I don't have the skill set. Hmm. I'm not going to stop fucking all of a sudden because I know I don't have the skill set. Hmm. I'm going to take some precautions to not have kids. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have the plan B turndown service. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just right on the pillow right after I come. Like, please take that plan B. It's good for you. It's chocolate covered. See, that's the thing. Okay, mo- okay. I've had w- one abortion and one miscarriage, and the, the miscarriage was accidental. We had accidental. No, no, no we, we we had no idea. Well, I came inside of the person, but it was on a period, so I kind of thought it was not going to happen. Well, where did the miscarriage happen there? Yeah, there was. A, trust me, that it happened. But what happened? Did she shit after- your kid into a toilet? Huh? Did she shit your kid into a toilet? No, no. She was in a hospital. It was a sad story. I'm okay, well. To, I'm not trying to make fun of it. Okay, I'll stop. But, I'll stop. Uh, but what, and yeah, and those are deeply personal things I'm not trying to get into too much. No, no, for sure, for sure. But when it comes to the majority of the situations, it's mostly just plan B. It was like, okay, I'll buy you plan B. Plan B is not an abortion. Hey, you know what? Let's actually talk scientifically. It technically is. Let's know it like scientifically. It's the beginning of a human, even though it hasn't quote fully developed. Well, so no. let's we can say, oh, it's not really a human yet. Like well, okay, no, no, I get no. here's not, what I'm saying. Here, I get here. it's not conscience, but it's still the beginning of a well, human. Well, here's life. the thing. Here's the thing. Plan B is not necessarily an abortion because you don't know if she's pregnant or not when she takes. That it. is the. That's true. That's extremely true. You're not 100 percent sure, but uh, right, that's why it's Plan B. But out of five times, one of them was probably an abortion. I don't know. I have never gotten anyone pregnant. <laughs> I have only bought, actually bought Plan B for people like twice. <laughs> so if you're saying one in five, I have definitely finished inside more than five people in my life. <laughs> I have definitely finished inside more than one person more than five times, and they have not gotten pregnant. So your math is off. Are you sure you don't have a baby? Are you sure? I mean, the only person who's possibly ever gotten pregnant with a baby is a stripper whose name I don't know. Yeah, that was. <laughs> hey, she's the one who jumped out with no condom. That was. I can't be blamed for that one. That was some risky sex, though, right there. I was raped. Well, I definitely was not raped, but I definitely was. Coerced. Not... Well, it was. 
It happened in a fucking champagne room in a strip club. <laughs> in Peoria, fucking Illinois. Oh, wait. I did hear this story oh, I'm from sh- you before. Yeah, I, I think I told this on air already, but <laughs> basically, like, I'm at a friend's bachelor party, and this is already a point where I don't like strip clubs. I just, I'm not a fan. Like, yeah. I'm not a fan of, like, spending money to get, you know, fucking blue balls. Not into it. Except for strip clubs that hire me. Please hire me. That's what you do, guys. By the way, unless you go see some of my homegirls at a strip club, then yes, you should pay top dollar. Right, right, right. Yeah, support the ladies I'm friends with. But <laughs> uh, I was buying dances for my guys. Like, I'm uh-huh. just balling out. I'm like, yeah, I'll buy you a dance. I'll buy you a dance. I'm I'm, drink- I'm drunk. I'm just. Yeah. You had a little extra money. Yeah, this is when I still had like a good job before I decided to like be a starving artist. And I buy my guy a dance. He's like, oh, I don't do dances. I'd already paid the girl. She's like, well, I'm keeping the money. I'm like, obviously, I'm not asking you for the money back. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't do dances. I'm like, dude, I paid for it. No, I'm not doing it. She's like, do you want the dance? I'm like, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah. So we go back in the fucking VIP, and we're having a good time. And like, yeah, we're feeling it. And she's like, so are you a good boy or a bad boy? I'm like, I'm a bad boy. I'm drunk. She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she ends up taking my fucking dick out and jumping on it. Like, just moving the fucking G-string to the side and. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, And I popped real fucking fast. I mean, that was just like, oh, this is happening. Oh, shit. I'm in. Oh, no condom. Okay. time. Yeah. I mean, she jumped like as I was coming, she jumped off and wiped it on the back on the fucking like bottom of my shirt. (laughs) Tucked my dick back in my pants like I had to go into the strip club bathroom and like wipe my own cum off my shirt. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, and she's just like, oh, what the fuck? I'm like, you're the one who jumped on with no fucking condom. You know, what did you think was going to fucking happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That I was going to come my whole load on my shirt? What the fuck? <laughs> it's bad enough I don't have a black shirt and black light with fucking cum on the bottom of it. <laughs> just right here, right by my gut. Just come. <laughs> wiped on my fucking black shirt and black lights in a strip club. Like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, oh, like everyone here doesn't know what just fucking happened. Either that or they just thought I fucking whipped it out and came. <laughs> like, there are two things that happened here. Either we fucked or I just came on my shirt because your lap dance was that good. Both are not good <laughs> outcomes for management. Hold on. I, need, I really need to use the restroom. Can you All right. I can hold out? down the fart. Come on your shirt is not good for a strip club management. No, not. it's not good for anyone involved. It's definitely <laughs> not good for me. <laughs> And I'm sharing a hotel room with the groom and, like, two other people in the wedding party on top of it. <laughs> and, you know, we leave the club shortly thereafter and, like, dude, you were gone for a while. Like, apparently I was gone for, like, 45 minutes. Oh, not bad. Not bad. I mean, that was a lot of bullshit. And, like, she definitely got some money and dances out of me, too, before we fucked. It, was, it wasn't, like, first dance fucking. It was, like. Oh, yeah. The, I played the game. Yeah, yeah. You went through it. You were. You got tricked. You were a trick. Yeah, I was a trick. I guess I was a trick. <laughs> whatever. I mean, it, I was gone for a while. but And they're just like, what the fuck? And like immediately when we got back to the hotel, I'm showering. I'm like, did you fuck the stripper? I'm like, wash this all off. Oh, clean this off. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I fucked the stripper. So fast forward <laughs> to my guy's wedding. Uh-huh. Like during the reception. The... Lesnar Kane Velasquez fight was happening for the UFC heavyweight championship. And I'm uh-huh. like, I, I'm going to duck out and I just got to watch the main event real quick. 
Gotta yeah. watch the main event. Like this is Lesnar versus Ken Velasquez for the UFC heavyweight championship. Oh hell yeah! I gotta duck out for one. I just gotta run across the parking lot to Hooters to see the fucking main event. My guy was not very happy about this. <laughs> he was also a little drunk at his wedding at this point. Uh oh. It's like fine. Fuck you. Go. Go watch the fucking fight. That's why you fucked a stripper at my bachelor party, you piece of shit. <laughs> in front of his parents, in front of like everybody. I'm like, well, originally you were going to guilt me into not going because yeah, you gave yeah. me such shit. I was going to not go. Now that you're just calling me out for fucking a stripper in front of the whole wedding party, well, in I'm front going, of your parents, <laughs> in front of your parents, and more importantly, in front of her parents. Like, she don't know me. Like, I'm your friend. Like, now I'm the fucking dirty fool who fucked a stripper. <laughs> At your fucking bachelor party. Was he drunk? Oh, yeah. He was <laughs> annihilated. When he, he actually gave me a little dick tap um, like as he's doing this. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to go watch the fight now. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. I mean, after the fight, I came back. Everything was cool. He's still my guy. But it was just like, oh, you're going to call me out for fucking a stripper. <laughs> in front of the family. In front of everybody. At the middle. Of the, the, like, I'm literally going to be gone for 25 minutes tops. That fight went under a round. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, I just needed to watch Cain Velasquez beat Brock Lesnar's ass. It's what I needed to do. It's something I needed to do with my life. What's your favorite place to watch UFC fights at? In Hollywood. In Hollywood? I and I generally go to... Oh, wow, that was a weird segue, but it's... Uh, I generally, no, no, see, I like to go to the Sycamore Tavern. Yeah, that's, that's where I usually favorite. end up. Yep. Hell yeah. Well, I'm friends with the staff, so... Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, Sycamore Tavern is the shit because my old producer for these comic books he would go to the sycamore tavern sometimes so i just kind of go there that's like where yeah I'm i'll going. go there or i'll end up at elbow room Mm-mm. that's where i was on saturday to watch mcgregor beat cowboy's ass how did that go 40 seconds for cowboy to lose in the first round <laughs> i mean i called it I, was it was it popping at the bar oh yeah it was shoulder to shoulder oh fuck yeah elbow room yeah <laughs> wasn't even elbow room in that motherfucker <laughs> wasn't even elbow room that's good so yeah i've had some risky sex I don't know that girl's even her real name, but that was the first person I ever had the sex with that had fake tits. <laughs> fake tits. Oh, man. You know what's weird? I always thought to fake tits were creepy and gross. You're wrong. Until you feel them and you're fucking someone with fake tits and you're like, eh, not so bad. I'm Pretty into them. I'm damn fucking good. into them. I'm 100% into them. It's like man made what God could not provide. Well, okay. One of the. Oh my god, the best one of the best sexual interactions I've ever had with someone I went out with for almost a year. And she didn't she had uh reduced breasts. Reduced when she was in high school. Like her tits were so big in high school they had to cut them down and she and I and it looked like she had something worked some work done on cuz she had some scars on the bottom of her tits. But oh, perfect tits. Well, yeah, fucking beautiful. The doc's like, we're going to reduce them, but we're going to size them and we're going to, you know, just (laughs) right. Make them perfect. Yeah. Perfection. (laughs) Perfection. It's like, oh, dear God, this is gorgeous. Great job. You are a holy being. You got to go find the doc. Be like, doc, thank you. Thank you, dear doctor. Great job. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, you're amazing. Good peeps. (laughs) Good peeps. I, I, I appreciate your work. I appreciate your work. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny and women should never get a breast job for men they should get it for themselves yeah yeah but if you get it for yourself kudos oh yeah 
Congratulations, ladies. Good job. I'm nice into titties. I'm like, I'm into it. Like, if you gotta do something to self to make yourself more confident, I'm all for it. My only thing is that I think that when people do things to make themselves more confident, they become less confident. For example, I felt like the person who got breast reduction. I don't think that that was them doing it because they were more confident. I think it was literally health reasons. Right. Like Her back doctor, was going to get the house. Yeah. Like the doctor was literally like, yo, you, this is like the best move for you. And it's not necessarily like, oh, I need it. Well, yeah. Generally at the point where you're in fucking high school and they're like surgery, it's for a real reason. Yeah, exactly. It's no one's like, like, oh yeah, fucking, yeah, we're going to put you under the knife. Yeah. While you're still just growing. like, holy shit, this girl's tits are too big. Like we need to cut them down. Hey, if you guys needed to cut my dick size down, you know, cause it was just too big, I would be grateful. Cause sometimes those like humongous, insane cocks are just like fucking three feet long. And it's just like, doesn't even fit nowhere. Nope. Just slapping you in the knee as you walk. <laughs> it's like, ah, God damn it. Tripped over it again. Was it the guy that had his, uh, the world's largest dick is like goes down to his ankles and shit. He has it like wrapped up in like socks and tape and shit for the video. Does he, he pass out when he gets a heart on? Like I know, probably. I I would imagine so. All the blood going to this humongous arm sized dick. Probably. I mean, come on. And no one wants to fuck that guy. No one. Well, here's the thing: his dick was nicely sized, but he didn't seem like the most like suave dude in the world. No, he was probably self conscious <laughs> about that monster. Seriously, what, like first time he went to swim class and he's like, why is everyone's dick like mid thigh and mine's down to my ankle? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you, you know, fucking horrible children were like, oh, what up horse dick or just some fucking just talk shit about his penis. <laughs> That's the thing, man. Kids are fucking mean. And no matter what you got different, they're going to talk shit about Mm, mm. like as a kid like you know i got a concave chest like yeah it's like it's not as noticeable as an adult but what do you mean your chest went in in the center yeah it's in, in a little bit in the center like well, hey my chest goes goes in not not as deep like mine's yeah look at my nipples show me your ni- other nipple all right ah ah Oh, we're getting topless in this motherfucker. Ah, Ah. topless radio show, everybody. We're both drunk. These two beautiful bitches are trying to show off their titties. Check it out. I'm not drunk. (laughs) But, like, I was self-conscious about this shit as a kid. Yeah. Especially, like, when I wasn't nearly as big. Like, Mm -hmm. it was much more evident, like, you know, when I was skinny. skinny, And and your chest just goes in. Yeah, like, goes in a little bit. Is it because you have no heart? Yeah, but I uh, I was definitely self-conscious about it. I actually almost went in for surgery before freshman year to, like, have it corrected. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Like, I got to the point where, like, I was on the gurney, and they were about to give me the anesthesia, and I freaked out and said pass. Yeah. Because they actually have to, like, crack your ribcage like it's open-heart surgery to correct this shit. Oh. So it's like, when this happens, the cartilage, like, that at your rib tip, you know, grew in instead of, like together so do you think gaining weight pushed your chest out more i have no fucking idea i'm not a doctor (laughs) but either way as like a skinny kid it was really fucking evident and i was really self-conscious about it and i almost did that but it was also just like when the doctor's like oh you could die during the surgery really well because it's like they crack your rib cage yeah yeah and put it back together it sounds dangerous it sounds very dangerous and you know at 15 and i was just like 
Oh my god. I'm good. Like I Yeah. I mean, in all reality, I probably cost my parents a lot of fucking money because I'm sure they still got charged for this is all, you know, purely cosmetic surgery. So uh-huh. I'm sure I got, you know, them charged for the anesthesia and all that fucking fun shit. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I just because I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. But it was a whole thing. Like, they're, they're going to. The funny thing is, like, I would have gotten probably bullied so much harder because they were, you know, the first six months of school, I would have had to have a chest plate to protect the fucking wound. Oh my god! Yeah. So yeah. you didn't go through with it. I didn't. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't go through with it. There's not a giant scar there, but yeah, the, like they fitted me for a chest plate so to make sure I didn't get bumped and like die in high school if I had gone through with it. Holy fuck! I would have been bullied so much harder for being the kid with the chest plate. <sighs> Superman. Well, no, it was like, like a white plaster Paris thing with straps. Like, <sighs> yeah, that would that's intense. Yeah, that's it would be like a hard bra. Oh my! I mean, God. It, it went from like down to here, but still like. Uh, oh, there's hard titties over there. Yeah, like, what up, hard tits? <laughs> what up, hard tits? Like, what a plaster bra! Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, not all fucking cosmetic shit's good, but there was a, seriously a big discussion because like you're still growing. You know? Yeah. So it's like technically, like it could have been like important for you to medically well, if it was gonna negatively affect like me medically we would have gone through with it yeah but it, it, they like did whatever doctors do because i'm not a doctor i don't know <laughs> and they're like nah it's just cosmetic you know you have no reduced heart or lung function because of it yeah yeah but it, you know it's just one of those things like okay what's well, one thing that happened to me when i was young now let me know if i'm whining like a, too much of a bitch about this but i had my canine teeth not fall out oh you, they just stayed no actually uh this one did that for me too like so my, when like, my adult teeth came in they were just pointing out like outward and the dentist was like you need to get those removed and i said is there any medical reasons why these need to get removed and the doctor was like well if you ever want a job and i was like suck my dick fuck you i want those teeth what do you mean if you want i, I knew i was going to be the man i am today I knew I wasn't going to, I was going to be the man who didn't need a regular job. You know, like I knew I was going to always run against. You're like, I'm, I'm destined for great things. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, I need those vampire teeth or the shark teeth as I called them at the time. And then eventually I got put under anesthesia and my mom was like, I take those fucking teeth out. My mom like really wanted those teeth removed. And I was like 15 and I was devastated. But it was just cosmetic. It wasn't important. It wasn't like his medically relevant. It was just cosmetic. And I was so bitter about that for years. Is that too much? Or do you think is that that's like kind of a good reason to be bitter? It's hard to tell how you would feel about that today. Yeah. 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 Because you didn't go through life with that. Who knows at 21 if like some bitch would be like, that motherfucker's got extra teeth. I'm not letting you anywhere near me. <laughs> like that dude's got too many teeth. Well, now they're just like, well, that guy, dude's got yellow teeth. So <laughs> you do the shit in the dark, dog. <laughs> like they don't know. They don't know. They can't so, tell if they can't see. Right. Like don't fucking black lights. I have perfect teeth, ho. <laughs> I definitely do not. <laughs> That's one of the things, like, as an adult, like, yeah, I wouldn't mind fixing my teeth. But it's like, I also would like to get drunk in Japan. 
But isn't it kind of sick to have fucked up teeth? I'm sorry. I kind of think it's sick because it feels like the everyone in LA is trying to have perfect teeth and have the perfect look. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm a disgusting, dirty street rat. I'm from the streets. I'm a fucking ex-hobo. I was raised in a van, raised in the fucking Super 8 motels on Sunset Boulevard. I'm not a fucking perfect teeth, nigga. I'm like a, I'm not a pop star Justin Bieber dude. Oh. Excuse me. I'm like a fucking dirty street rat who's trying to learn how to be better and become a fucking billionaire and do all of this crazy shit. And I don't want to look perfect. I want to look slightly imperfect. And if, hey, I'm sorry. I don't know. I can't gain weight. I wish I could gain weight. I eat a fuck shit ton and I, and I but I also walk a lot. So I don't know. I don't gain weight. But if I can look nasty, it feels good. It feels refreshing if I can look sort of gross and repulse someone. I'm like, oh, you think I'm gross? Yeah, thank you. You see, I do that enough of my personality. I don't need to fucking look at part. <laughs> Fuck. Disgusting personalities are also equivalent. Yeah. Right, right. I don't need to be like, I don't need to double down on the gross. <laughs> like, oh, that dude looks like a scumbag, and then I open my mouth and I'm like, yeah, that dude is a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> Did that dude just tell a story on the internet about raw dogging a stripper and you don't know if you have an, an illegitimate child in Peoria, Illinois? Yes, I did. <laughs> How would you like to introduce me to your parents? How would you like to introduce me? You know that show 90 Day Fiance? Have you heard of that? Yeah, people try to get me to sign up for it. There's, there was this one episode I was Oh, there was this one episode of 90 Day Fiance I was watching recently with a friend and this dude was like going to his Brazilian new girlfriend's family and explaining his criminal record. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I do not want to explain my criminal record to an ex-girlfriend's parents. I thankfully don't have one of those. <laughs> I do not have a criminal record. I have never been arrested. Yeah, actually, I've never been. Well, okay, I've been arrested, but I've never had like. Never been charged. Never been charged. And I've had warrants out for my arrest, but I've never like actually been like in trouble or anything. What and were the warrants were all, for? The warrants for, for, for uh, mostly just. Uh, Breaking and entering because I like to do uh, urban exploration. So trespassing, trespassing, or yeah, and breaking and entering. Uh, uh, but also, uh, mostly, uh, actually, probably a good seventy-five percent of it was uh, fare evasion on the trains throughout different states. I would just go and just fare evade and then not show up to court. You know, stuff like that. Simple stuff. One time, I got in trouble uh, for not paying my. Uh, bill at the bank because they charged me a bunch of overdraft fees for like a 50 cent overdraft it was like ten dollars a month for like 10 months and or no wait 35 dollars a month for 10 months so it, was, it turned out to be 350 dollars but then eventually the bank got sued for predatory overdraft fees and they paid me ten dollars which was the amount of money i had before <laughs> they, they overdraft my account so eventually, after five years of ignoring them, they gave me my money back. <laughs> that's a bad trade-off. Ten bucks after five years? That's, I mean, that's bad, man. That's bad. <laughs> well, it's better than me owing them $350. I mean, come on. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, technically, they paid you three sixty then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Technically. <laughs> they paid me the, the three fifty and, like, what I owed them and then my money. Exactly. They're like... <laughs> All right, all right, here you go. <laughs> Fuck you. Here I was go. so happy about that because I, for about 
three years, I was like, no. I told my, my, my roommate was getting my old mail, and he was like, do you want me to do anything with this, man? And he was in Portland, and I was like, no, don't. Just ignore those, those mails. And he, and he was like, all right, I'll keep ignoring it. And then one day, he's like, I got a check for you, man. <laughs> so he's opening your fucking mail, that criminal? No, 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 yeah, but he was my old roommate. Like, he's my, and he ran a label that I was on. So, like, I want him to open my mail, kind of, you know what I mean? Because, like, if it's, like, a residual check. I want him to open it. I was like, okay, cool. Shouldn't he be the one cutting you residual checks? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He was cutting me residual checks. No, he's like totally cool label dude. Trust me. Like a great, respectable guy running an, under, an underground label. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Label people and respectable don't go hand in hand. Oh, yeah. No, that was very rare. But it was the type of person who I was roommates with, who invested his own money in the vinyl, and was putting his own blood, sweat, and tears, pushing that vinyl by himself. So that was respectable in my book. Yeah, I did that too, and I was not a respectful label head. <laughs> My standard contract was fucking dirty. When we get off air, I'll show you. I still have a copy of my standard contract. It's 43 fucking pages. That's sick. Good job. Good on you. That's awesome. It sucked. <laughs> for them or for you? Well, it sucked for them. I mean, <laughs> but it, it also like morally sucked for me because you know when you're a one-man record label, you develop rapport with your fucking artists. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like taking advantage of people. Yeah. But there are times where it's like the artist's best interest and the label's best interest don't coincide. Okay, well, what about this? My view on record labels has recently turned into this. And and this is a question as a person who has ran a independent record label. You. And I've run two independent record labels. One completely just got tanked and I just totally threw it to the wayside because the the server crashed and I stopped paying for the website. And another label, I've just been on a hiatus because I didn't want to treat it badly. You know, uh, my main question is: I see labels more as before. I didn't see them as this, but now I do. They're literally just banks. It's literally just like, oh, we have this amount of money to invest, and we should or shouldn't invest in this record. Like these, this audio will or will not bring us this level of return. Yes and no. ROI. Yes, ROI. Yes and no. So I ran a pretty hands-off record label like because mm-hmm. I was really inexperienced in music. Yeah. I was working on 9 to 5. I hated it, and I'm like, how do I want to get out of this? I want to run a record label. From a 9 to 5, that was your goal? Yeah. Like, my 9 to 5 funded the label. So my pitch to my artist was, you get 100% creative control because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I wasn't a musician. I have no musical talent. Yeah. Do you know how bad of a decision that was? <laughs> Do you know how bad of a decision it is to let fucking five metalheads be like, yeah, we have 100% creative control. Um, Uh-oh. So two of the albums I put out are still available on iTunes. Ooh, I'd like to buy them. I would straight up buy them. I love, I, maybe I'm a bad person for my own self-interest, but I love buying shit on iTunes, apps, and music. I just love it. I th- it feels good to be able to keep it on my iTunes iCloud Jesus store. Christ, it's on Amazon, too. Fuck. Hell yeah. I got an Amazon gift card. I'll buy it right now. It's available on fucking Apple Music. On- God damn it. That's amazing. I cannot see a cent of that fucking residual. <laughs> so I'm going to pull it up on iTunes. There it is. There's one of the albums. That's very cool. By the way, the album cover looks fucking sick, everybody. Oh, it looks like garbage. Really? 
I think it looks cool. Okay. I, it, it looks way too, like, bad CGI, in my opinion. By the way, the album is titled Tomorrow May Never Come. From by a band called Embrace the Day, which is Embrace not the, the day. Which is not the famous Embrace the Day. There's, oh, another, there's another Embrace the Day? That happened later. But also, uh, but also, Embrace the Day is the worst name in metal. That's a pretty... No, okay, no offense to you, but that's a bad band name. Uh, it is. They were... <laughs> That band was originally called In Ruins when I when I signed them. But then there's another Japanese band called Ruins. Right. There's an In Ruins. There's Ruins. So we had to change it in for legal reasons. And this is where I was a bad label exec. Oh, my artists had 100% creative control, and they came yeah. up with Embrace the Day. And I went, okay, cool. Yeah, we're Embrace the Day. No. With my fucking money. Do you know how much that album cost to make? Uh, how much? 20 grand, 40 grand. 10. Oh, hey, that's not bad. No offense. That's actually not as bad as I've seen before. No, no, it's definitely not as bad as it could have been because like i said labels are banks and they require investment and return on investment exactly but initially that album should have cost me six yeah because the story with that album is i set them up with uh chris DeJuric at studio one he's from he originally played bass in jungle rot he's uh in Candlemass. Uh-huh. has a great studio in racine wisconsin yeah. Like a bunch of good metal albums have come out of that studio. That's awesome. In Wisconsin. In Racine, Wisconsin. Huh. We were in Chicago at the time. It's like, it's easier to get to drive to Racine from Chicago than it is to drive to the OC. So, yeah. Yeah. Of course. The band was like, we're comfortable in the studio, the studio we have down in the burbs. Can we record here? And I said, sure. If you guys are more comfortable here. You guys have creative control. So they recorded. Are you fucking kidding me? It's on Spotify. <laughs> it's on fucking Spotify. I have not seen a goddamn dime in this. They record it. And the tracking does not go great. Oh, wait, the actual record record tracking. Yeah, recording? The actual record record tracking does not go great. And this is because some members of the band refused to play to a click track. It was, oh it was some Mickey Mouse shit. And I, as the label head, should have put my fucking foot down and said, no, play the fucking click track. Do this like fucking professionals. Yeah, yeah. But you have control because that's our deal. Yeah. And the initial mix is hot garbage. Oh, my God. The engineer at that studio. Nice dude. But he. Like, did live sound mostly. He wasn't a studio engineer. Yeah. I sent it up to Chris at Studio One to have it professionally mixed and mastered. And he came back with a heavy, heavy metalcore album. I mean, that album's actually pretty fucking good. Yeah. But it was another, like, three, four grand to have Chris work his magic on it. And it sounds good, but it was way too much money because the mix was bad. Yeah, the initial mix was bad. This is just, you know, where I, as a label head, should have been like, no, no, fuckers. This is my money. We're not doing this. This is dumb. Yeah. So you're not quite a bank because a bank just hands you a loan and expects a return on investment. If you're a responsible label head, you are helping steer your money to make sure you get a return on your investment. Yeah, yeah. That's where you have A&R people. You have people working with your artists to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Plus, most people don't realize that in a standard 
label contract. The recording session is a recoupable expense. If you go to the studio mm-hmm. to record an album, I turn around and go, okay. Oh, we're having an earthquake. Sounds like, yeah, it feels like an earthquake. That was a really small one. I mean, I farted heavier. <laughs> California earthquakes. California earthquakes, baby. Um, what was this? Saying before the earthquake. <laughs> it was a label expense. Right. Like, so it costs 5000 to record that album, right? Mm-hmm. You don't see royalties until you've paid oh, back yeah. that five grand. It's oh, a yeah. recoupable expense. Yep. So how fucked is that? Like, Yeah. Well, but that's why it gets to certain things where, for example, like a label that my friend was on recently, um, he was unsure about signing with the label until when he toured, the label went out and actually made sure to get radio stations their tickets to give out for, for, you know, for radio giveaways and things like that. The label went out of their way to make sure that there was the right amount of PR. You know, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of mailing tickets out to certain people. Oh, yeah. It's having personal relationships with personal relationships with radio DJs and stuff like that. It's a pain in the ass, but it's possible. You know what I mean? If you really grind it down. Yeah. And they're looking at their return on investment. Yeah. It's a lot of work. I don't I but I found by the end of it that I much more enjoyed being management than I did being a label head. Because, hmm. as I said, there's times where it's like, well, this would benefit the artist, but not necessarily benefit the label. Oh, there it is. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> so this is the other album we put out. Play Dead. By nice. Three Ring Funeral. Three Ring Funeral. Hell yeah. I like that name. That's a good band name. That band was originally called Makeshift when I started working with them. Hmm. Once again, there was another makeshift. You know, Chicago metal scene, there's always some national act that has the same name because no one bothers to research their fucking names. <laughs> so they came up with Three Ring Funeral, which was a much better name. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Three Ring Funeral is kind of a cool name, even though it's kind of gay. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, this is 2007 also. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 2007. Yeah. Yeah, I was a label head 13 years ago. Hell Yeah. I've had a lot of odd jobs. <laughs> this is actually the first band I ever worked with. I found them on MySpace. By the way, everybody, this is what interests me about Matt Slayer <laughs> is his old school record label involvement. And I don't know about what you guys think about on, on Now We Drink, but when I hang out with Matt Slayer like one-on-one, I ask him about label stuff because it's fascinating to me. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, what's super fucked up for me is I am much more connected in the music industry now via porn than I ever was when I actually worked in the music industry. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, the crowning height of my music career was we were the second stage sponsor for the first annual Indianapolis Metal Fest. Second stage sponsor. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Obituary headlined. Like, there were good national acts on that show. That's kind of cool. Yeah. One of the, one of my, favorite moments of that fucking show besides epically drinking and tailgating before the show was obituary store buses sitting backstage and i i had put three acts on that show 
I put Three Ring Funeral, Embrace the Day, and a band I had just started working with called Maggot Twat. Maggot Twat are Chicago metal legends. Yeah. Like, before I started working with them, they had two albums that out on their own. Maggot Twat, hell yeah, represent. And they're an amazing comedy metal act. I love those guys. Mm-hmm. Love them to death. If I had more money, my life would have taken a completely different trajectory because of those guys. Hmm. But they're hilarious. I mean, Dan and Pete are two of the funniest motherfuckers you will ever goddamn meet. Wow. And obituary store bus is backstage, like, you know, in the loading area. Dan runs by their tour bus with an air horn and just, Bleh! oh, that's sick. And all you hear from inside the fucking tour bus is, you ever fucking do that again? You are fucking dead. <laughs> like, nothing like fucking with the national headliner. Yeah, yeah. Before the fucking gig. That's so funny. But, oh my God. Would you ever be interested in managing another artist? Maybe, maybe. I mean, the money would have to be there. 20%. Yeah, I can do 20%, assuming they're actually going to make money. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, that's what I miss. I miss, like, helping them book gigs, making good fucking business decisions. Because signing my standard contract was not a good business decision. Mm-hmm. Every one of them were like, take this to a lawyer. Embrace the day. Like, oh, we had a guy look it over. We're signing. Had no changes to the contract. They're... Are you serious? Yeah. The only thing that they negotiated for was there was a clause in the contract that any changes, I forgot what the exact changes were, the band had to be notified in writing. Of a change to the contract? Yeah, an extension or a change. I forgot what the exact terms were. They're like, uh, two members of the band have to be notified in writing. That's all they negotiated By the way, anyone signing a contract, this is where Captain Beefheart went wrong. He just signed anything that was shoved in front of him. And it doesn't matter if it's your friend or not. At least have the balls to fucking learn a little bit about the law and figure out what you want changed in the contract. Isn't that reasonable? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. As the label head, as the label head, where it was not in my best interest, I was like, take this to a lawyer. Yeah. You're like, please take this to a lawyer. Right. (laughs) If I was a bigger label, I would front you the money to take this to a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. Because you want them to kind of look, like, not be mad at you 10 years later. Right. Because my standard contract had five option periods in it. Oh. Huh. The initial, the initial period was a year and a half, and then five one-year option periods built into that contract. Also, that clock didn't start until you delivered a commercially viable album. So you had a year and a half after you delivered a commercially viable album. Which doesn't have to be the first album. By the terms of the contract, if you came to me with a non-commercially viable album in my – and this is completely at my discretion. Completely, you yeah. had to go back to the studio on your own dime at that point. No more advances. You had to go back to the studio on your own dime till it was commercially viable. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. And that's like a pain in the ass of a contract. Oh, yeah. And yeah. at the point – you deliver it a year and a half later. That's when I get the first option of being like, oh, okay. One more, you know, one more year, one more album. That year doesn't start until you deliver the next commercially viable album. Yeah. So you're still under the first contract period until you deliver the commercially viable album. No, no offense, but it kind of seems like it wasn't completely in your best interest either. How so? 100%. 
Well, like because you weren't a hundred percent certain that the band was going to deliver a commercially or needed to rec- submit a commercially viable album initially. So how do I lose there? Because you aren't demanding them to come up with a commercially viable album. Oh, I am because they don't can't ever exit the contract till they do. <laughs> I here was a super awkward because there was also an exiting artist clause in the fucking contract. Oh my god! You didn't know what it. So for the audience, I know about it. What an art exiting artist clause is. Yeah, but for the, for the audience, for the audience, what an exiting artist clause is. Like, so you have Metallica. Yeah, we'll just go with Metallica because everyone knows fucking Metallica. Jason Newstead leaves Metallica. An exiting artist clause means. Before Jason could go sign an album with someone or go sign a record deal with anyone else. The label got that they was originally signed to has the option to keep him under contract at far worse terms than he originally signed to oh, as an exiting artist. Because they want to leave. It's to protect stuff like, say you have NSYNC signed to you. Yeah, yeah. And Justin Timberlake wants to go solo. You're going to just let Justin Timberlake exit NSYNC and no longer be under contract? Because the contract's with NSYNC, not... So you, but you had an exiting artist clause right. for them. Right. So there's an exiting artist clause in my standard contract. Three year, two, three years after my label went under, I had two members of Embrace the Day who there's a lot of drama there at the end. Call me up and like, hey, um, I know we almost got into a fist fight at one point, ah. but um. We're starting a new album. We're starting a new band and we want to record and we realize that we're technically still under contract to you. Because you fucking invested a bunch of money in them. Well, because there's an existing artist clause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to actually release them from it before. But I didn't also, I also was on the hook to pay for an album if I kept them under the existing artist clause. Since I was no longer in the label business at that point. I'm like, yeah, you guys are good to go. But you see, you didn't hold them to it. No, but I could have been a colossal dick and be like, yep, you're held to it. Uh, Your budget for your album is one dollar. I could have been that dick. (laughs) That's hilarious. Like, oh, you can't deliver a commercially viable album on one dollar. Guess you have to go to studio on your own dime. And I still own it. (laughs) Have fun. Here's another like dirty, dirty, dirty fucking clothes. But you were a nice human about it, and you didn't necessarily hold them to it. No, I 100% did not hold them to it. Thought about it for half a second, but I did not do it. <laughs> Matt Slayer, the human being over here. One of the other dirty clauses in that fucking contract was, if you somehow retain the rights to your music, you had to sell them back to the label for $1. Oh, my God. That's funny. So, legally... Like, say you sued me and got the rights back to your music. After the court decision, you were contractually obligated to sell them back to me for a fucking dollar. <laughs> or I could sue you for breach of contract. My entertainment lawyer just goes, a dirty motherfucker. That's hilarious. Like, when I did these contracts. You had an entertainment lawyer write these papers up, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. As I said, my entertainment lawyer was a dirty motherfucker. Yeah. Here's the restroom real quick. So what fucking was hyper crazy is when I went over the fucking contracts, there's a lot of shit in there I didn't fucking agree with. Just like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is that? Like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, 
buying back the fucking rights to their music for a dollar? I didn't agree with that shit. You know what my entertainment lawyer told me? My entertainment lawyer was like, they're red herrings. If you don't agree with them, let them negotiate out of it. And none of these motherfuckers negotiated out of shit. So I end up with these crazy fucking contracts. And people just signed them for fucking years. If the label had kept going, I'd probably still have some of those artists under contract to this day. It was just fucking madness. Absolute fucking madness. You know, for the three and a half years I ran that label, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the so fuck. you're saying you would probably still have them under contract if you didn't hold them to it. Oh, if I held them to it, like if I, the label was still going, I held them to that contract. You figure this is 2007, it's 13 years ago, right? Yeah. The default contract was six and a half years if you delivered instantly. <laughs> wow. Assuming they're not going to deliver instantly. Which is very likely. <laughs> right. Assuming that they're going to, you know, theoretically tour and support their fucking albums. Like human beings do. Well, as smart human beings do. <laughs> you know, they would, on a, the six and a half years, would have easily still been going on right now. Yeah, yeah. I still would have been like, yep, under contract. Unfortunately, the money ran out, you know, 10 grand on fucking Embrace the Days album. Uh, I forgot how much I spent on Play Dead. Uh, there were a couple other bands that I developed that one of which uh, my buddy Johnny Dove, who's been on the show before, played in a band called Relic. And when it was time for them to sign the contract, their drummer quit before they could sign the contract. <laughs> that sucks. Their drummer was smart. He saw the fucking contract like, no, fuck this. No way, Jose. Well, he's just like, uh, this is way too much pressure. Yeah. Like, there's real money on the line. Fuck this. Smart. Smart man. But he pretty much torpedoed the band because they were never able to find another competent drummer. Oof. And it's fine. Everyone's cool. Everyone went their own ways. There was another band called Unvision that I worked with, and those guys did really well for themselves on their own. Yeah. But the twat, the twat was... Uh, Maggot twat? Yep. So we had an opportunity at one point. Because that band was kind of the... It seems like to me that you've talked to me that they seem like the coolest band that was on your label, in your opinion. Uh, they were definitely the most popular. Huh. Okay. I mean, as I said, two albums released on their own, uh, playing some of the biggest venues in Chicago just as a completely independent band. And, you know, just hilarious. I mean, it's comedy metal. And they, they put out songs like Raped by an Ape. <laughs> um, the second album is called 8-Bit Apocalypse oh yeah oh you know I like that yeah yeah. it's it's, it's super fun stuff one of my favorite songs they ever did is uh, I Want to Get Laid and the chorus is sleepwalking wandering down the back stairs humping at nothing and screwing the air I don't even care if I fuck up brick wall just as long as I can empty my balls uh, yeah that sounds sick yeah it's, it's so much fun we had an opportunity to buy them onto Mushroom Heads National Tour not so bad. for the audience at home that doesn't work in music, sometimes when you see weird tour packages, that's because the headliner doesn't necessarily want the people that are opening for them. Mm -hmm. Those people bought onto the tour. Yep. The national headliner is like, well, how do I pay for this tour? Well, I sell the opening spots. To a band who can afford it. Right. With their management. Yeah. So for 12 grand, we could have bought them on a Mushroom Heads tour. Oh, 
Plus all the, of course, tour expenses that would have come yeah, with it. But exactly. For much uh, expenses to yourself. Right. But I'm very confident that if we put the twat in front of Mushroom Head every night, Mushroom Head's audience. You would have won it off. Yeah. We, we would have made money hand over fist in merch. Wow. And CD sales. Yeah. Because you guys had CDs that were already invested in. Yeah. Yeah. When I left Chicago, like. I still had a ton of physical media I had to get rid of. Okay, so so now let's just... I'm just going to wind this back to me because I'm a yeah. little bit of a narcissist in this well, no, episode. Uh, this is your episode and you got me talking about my music career. No, I'm, I'm interested. So for all you fucking lame-ass listeners who think it's lame, I'm interested because I'm trying to learn. But for me, let's just say, uh, I've got over 80 records that I've released full length albums, LPs of digital music that I've had that internet fans have downloaded. And recently I was posting about how I wanted some people to post, send me some like, Oh, do you know the rec- name of this record? Like an old album from 10 years ago. And some people did. And it's not surprisingly, it was a fucking guy from Norway who had a cool skull tattoo. I was like, okay, this guy obviously fucking knows. He has like 25 Cool Skull albums that are just totally deleted from the internet nowadays. And it got to the point where I realized 2020, I want a car. I could probably make enough money to make about two grand of extra money that could probably get a good used car, in my opinion. That seems about reasonable. Something that gets from point A to point B. Yeah, so a good tour van that or a truck or a car that's like two grand, decent, works, and maybe it's a lot of money and gas, but like it's a reasonably working car. And at that point, I realized when I was looking seriously into cars, I'm like, I can invest about two grand and get 500 to 800 vinyl. And I realized... I want vinyl more importantly than I want a car because if I have a car, I want it to be full of product. And if I'm going to go on tour, I need a product because I've been on tour without product and people like angry that I don't have product. Well, but this day and age, you could be directing them to a download code. Yes, but because my music is sold mostly by its art, they want a physical thing. Okay, that makes sense. I've been on tour. And people want physical things. They're like, why don't I have a t-shirt? Why don't you Well, have- you should definitely have fucking shirts. No, no, but shirts, CDs, vinyl, anything. But the number one purchaser is vinyl. If people see vinyl, they automatically think it's cooler, like 10 times cooler. Well, and there's a lot of rad shit that can do with vinyl. And, uh, yeah, and also they can buy a shirt and vinyl. They'll buy a shirt, but if they buy a shirt, they're willing to buy vinyl. You know, if they buy 20 bucks worth of shit, they're willing to pay 40 bucks of shit. Right. So I decided I want vinyl before I want a car. So I I got messages from fans. I kind of felt it out. They want a best of and a new record. They want a new record and like 10 years, like, cause I've been doing like this music for a long time. Right. So I'm thinking, all right, so let's say I get two grand for 500 records. Then I get two grand for 500 more records of another record. That's about four grand. Then I get two grand for a car. Then I get two grand for like maybe upkeep of the car and then just to be sure gas money, right? Like let's say if that's eight grand total. That's not a crazy amount of money. No, no. And also it's tangible in my book. So I'm thinking that my next goal as Cool Skull or as Two Cool Productions as my LLC will claim 
uh, is to essentially put investment in product and then a car. Is that reasonable? Do you think? No, it's one hundred percent reasonable. And the huh. thing about it is, you should still be able to book out a small tour. Oh yeah, because touring is fine for me now. Like I've, I'm well known enough to where across the country I can kind of find people and they'll know. Okay, this guy's interesting. Well, and that's the thing. Like, literally, there will be venues that will be willing to put you up if the negotiated fee is let me sell my merch, give me a meal and gas money. Yep, exactly. If I can make. $100 in gas money, and I'll be allowed to keep 100% of my revenue in merch, I'm fine. because I Always negotiate the meal, too. I will, I always negotiate the meal, and actually what's funny is that on my writer, when I was even 18 years old, my writer was a Coca-Cola two-liter with a lime. I want a full lime cut in half. <laughs> and That's fucking ridiculous. Coca-Cola. That is goddamn ridiculous. You think that's not enough or what? <laughs> yeah, you should expand your rider a little bit. <laughs> that was my that was my actual rider when I was 18 years old. I want a Coca-Cola two liter and a lime. That is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Could have asked for so much more. So much more ridiculous things. But here's another thing. I have always, always, every time that I met came into a town met a hot lady a, a female at the airport i've never like had to wait at the airport by myself i've all like maybe i'm a poor homeless motherfucker but i always had a hot beautiful woman waiting for me at the airport even if i wasn't fucking her if she was just like a representative from the label or an event or <laughs> like hey cool eye candy <laughs> dope hey what's up let's hang out let's go <laughs> i got a shuttle cool hell yeah Never like it had sex or anything with them, but it was like, all right, nice. It's always nice to be in the you know, company of an attractive woman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't mind. Like I'm, I could take it or leave the sex. It's fine, but I'd rather at least be in the company of a beautiful lady for a moment. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, hey, this brightens my fucking day. Brightens my fucking day. Like, oh my God. Tits. They're just. <laughs> by the way every all of you listeners after this recording i'm going to be convincing matt to let me design him album art in order for him to manage me as a touring artist so just so you guys know there's going to be a little bit of an ar- a drunken argument afterwards <laughs> won't be much of a drunken argument You're just gonna sign a horrible contract <laughs> I, mean, I got an extra one in the fucking closet pull that bitch out no Change the company name on it. <laughs> boom. I got a new artist. Kablam. $80 later. There's a new LLC and a new contract on the books. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to the next 13 years of your life. <laughs> and now I can actually mix and master it myself. So I don't even have to pay anyone. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, hey, look, I have all this recording equipment. I don't have to. I can just track it myself. Like. Oh, my God. I wish I learned how to do this shit better when I was doing the label myself and stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's another that gets to another point where I I would like to talk to anybody who's trying to be a musician because I feel like a lot of listeners more often than ever before are trying to be artists and musicians themselves, specifically musicians, rappers, bands, whatever, what have you. Well, because we're in the age of, you know. DIY. DIY. Yeah. Everybody's doing DIY because the yeah. culture is easy to fuck with. Well, this and the fucking, technology is easier. Yeah, this fucking 
set up right here was impossible when I was doing music. Yeah, yeah. Like back in the day, about 13, 14, 15 years ago, this was a good $100,000 rig or yeah. fucking more. But nowadays, it's technically within the few hundred dollar range. Yeah, I mean, this setup, just the audio end of it, I mean, it's a couple grand, but mm-hmm. not unreasonable. If yeah, you're, yeah. If you're a professional fucking recording artist. Because, or, because back in the day, it was like 20 to 50 grand plus. Yeah, a good mixer. So so what I'm saying is that even, okay, in my opinion, oh, yeah, yeah we, need, we need more alcohol. You were saying? Uh, in my opinion, well, really... Actually, I'd say my objective view of this is that it's technically easier for any artist to make an instrumental album on their own for free ever than ever before. If you have a phone, if you have a laptop, if you have access to a public library computer, you technically can make an album for free. Yeah, you can pop into GarageBand and do synthesized fucking, you know, instruments. It's not going to sound as good as the real thing. Well, I either way it doesn't matter. Well, but well, even if, for example, like my genre of music is all electronic, so like I I know that what I do can technically be done with completely free software Definitely. on a computer, and because I've done it before. But uh, but in the end, it's like no matter how cheaply you build the record for free or for a hundred thousand dollars, advertising and touring are different than recording your own record 100 percent. but in this day and age people are very taking different approaches to marketing you look at nipsey hustle nipsey released all his music for free online and then sold his physical copies in limited release for what a hundred dollars an album hmm. and developed buzz that way so just like how you're doing with your vinyl what your plan is like all oh, these people want physical stuff you could 100% be giving away the digital copies and then really upcharging the vinyl. Yeah. And making them in a blank and hand drawing the covers and selling them for like a thousand bucks each. Exactly. <laughs> That's some <laughs> weird shit. But people would be like, I have a one of a kind Cool Skull album. Yeah. People yeah. want the bragging rights of having the one of a kind thing. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. People I mean, look want. at the fucking crazy Wu Tang album they did a couple of years ago. It was where, $2 million. <laughs> right. <laughs> The Wu-Tang Clan could get away with a $2 million album, but they still made a $2 million album. Yeah, exactly. And still sold it. To one person. Yeah. For $2 million. For $2 million. (laughs) Yep, yep. Totally true. So it's it's a wild age for music. There's so much you can do. There's so much the market will accept. You know, they want unique things. They want one-of-a-kind things. People want the fucking bragging rights of being like, Oh, look at what I got. Yeah, exactly. You can't just go get this. I got this. Yeah. That's totally true. Huh. What? Okay. What What do you think about this? So, so this is just, I was thinking about releasing original albums with oil paintings. So you pay like five grand, which is an oil painting is about. 1500 to two grand right for like a real ass big five foot wide oil painting you know but imagine i had a whole album also a few extra grand but you're the only one that has the record i mean if you wanted to mode yourself to that much music oh you know because the music is easiest thing for me now it's the easiest the art is the hardest thing for me yeah i mean i'm sure it would sell huh 
Interesting. If you have the fan base to support it, it will sell. Oh, I, I it, it's interesting because I'd like to try to see the dude in like an art gallery, like a fine art. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like what? Like I have five one-time albums, and they're forty-five minutes each, <laughs> and you're the only person that gets it, <laughs> and you own the rights to it for the full price, like five, ten grand. Let's say something like. Yeah, and you'll sign a you'll sign a certificate like oh I will not re-record these songs. Yep, exact. I won't perform these songs. Yeah, you can right. perform them unless you want me to. You know, yeah, unless yeah. you allow me to, because you own them now. See, that's that's where this at. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely get away with doing shit like that now. Oh, that's a good point. I should try. You should. You should. That'd be so funny. Do an art show where like the music is also exclusive. Exactly. Huh. That's a cool idea. Uh, that's, that was on my iPad mostly. Yep. You were not good with beer. I'm actually not. <laughs> I'm, that's why this is the only alcoholic podcast I've ever been on. The only, well, no, I've been on a few other podcasts, but the other podcasts did not involve alcohol. This one doesn't involve alcohol. I don't know what you're talking about. Good point. No alcohol involved at all. No alcohol involved. I'm drinking high C. At work. Oh, it's near beer. <laughs> Sapporo is basically high C compared to whiskey. I mean, it is really. I'm, I'm still sober. Is that how? Not much. The alcohol is affecting you. I drink a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. I drink a lot. I'm not an alcoholic. Though. I'm a stoner. I'm not an alcoholic either. <laughs> I'll go to fucking meetings. <laughs> how dare you you think i waste my time on fucking meetings i go to my Al-Anon meetings every tuesday did you know that i did not Al-Anon. yeah i go to Al-Anon. that's uh children of alcoholics well it's family members of alcoholics people who know alcoholics in general it's not necessarily children some of them are parents of alcoholics you know and they kind of learn how to deal with alcoholics and what's weird to me is that actually the actual alcoholics in my life which are mostly my dad and some other people haven't caused that much problems. I swear to God, the people who cause the most problems are sober people who think they're better than me. Alcoholics, they're like babies, and I can just hang out with them, and they're cool. They're like, ah, all right, you're drunk. And they're like, yeah, I'm drunk. I don't know what I'm doing. They, like, admit to their wrongdoings. They're like, <laughs> I peed myself. And I'm like, hey, you peed yourself. Okay, you peed. Good job, you pee pants. But fucking sober people who think they're better than you, they're much worse than alcoholics in my view. Oh, yeah, mine too. Because they've been, for example, I almost threatened to beat up an alcoholic recently who was drunk at my place. And I was like, dude, I'm going to fucking kick your ass if you don't fucking move from where you are right now. And he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the next morning he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Totally sober. And it, that was like, oh, okay, cool. I don't care. See you later. Be drunk Be drunk again. If you're going to only be that bad, like it's fine. Whereas like sober people who think they're fucking cooler than me and smarter than me and better than me. It's like, actually, you're the shithead. <laughs> Yeah, what gives you that opinion? I'm not even an alcoholic. I don't even drink very often. This I probably drink once a month. But I me too. But I dislike sober people much more than alcoholics because at least alcoholics they're annoying, but they're babies. They're babies that I can like. Oh, okay, I can forgive you. You're a baby. <laughs> you know, you're fine. <laughs> they're like infantile, but not like 
pathetic and like mean and condescending. You know, they're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just obnoxious. Anyone who's just like, oh, I got sober and you can't. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why aren't you working your steps? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Is there something wrong with you? <laughs> with their haughty attitude. Yes, yes, sir. I know. You're so pathetic. <laughs> you can't even work the first step. <laughs> Go get your bottle, baby. <laughs> You're better than me because you have a fucking ability to sponsor my ass. Fuck you. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, motherfucker. Go get your shit coffee and your cookies. <laughs> I'm still having a good time. <laughs> That's so funny. But it's actually about that time we're going to call last call on this motherfucker so we can have the debate about me managing you and oh yeah, all the shit that's going to happen offline. We have to have a little extra time to hang out for offline because there's so much going online that we don't want to really drag on in the real world. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Juan, where can they find you? Where can they find your art? You can find me at coolskull.com. I still have a bit of editing to do to my website, but you can definitely find some of my records on there right now. Maybe a portfolio, depending on when you find it. If you have a problem with my website, you can always go to archive.org and find an old version of my website where I actually finished it. And it's more interesting. But... Uh, and no matter what, you'll be able to find me Cool Skull with the K, K O O L S K U L L everywhere. That's K O O L S K U L L dot com on YouTube, The Cool Skull, and on Instagram, Cool Skull forty four. Find me, hang out, check out what I do, look at what I do, and realize that I was not the initial progenerator, but a definitely big pusher of eight bit hardcore music about ten years ago. And realize that I really want you all to come up with new genres of music and to create new things. And I want you all to be creative and develop new things that I've never even imagined. And I think that the culture wars will only be won with new art. That's what I believe. I agree with that. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. And as always, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter. Matt Slayer on Instagram. Matt F and Slayer on Facebook. You can find the podcast at and now we drink on Twitter and now we drink underscore on Instagram and until next Yep, that was correct. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. And now we stop drinking. Boom. Boom.